Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Namaste, mods and mamas. Welcome back to another episode. Guess what? Guess what is live? Yes, the Meditation for Kids book and the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course is now available. Yay! I'm so excited that you guys have already been getting these books and the courses and you're diving in. It makes me so, so happy that we're creating this movement together, this hashtag kids can meditate. So today we're really dishing on a very similar topic about this. And if you wanna grab your book and your course, head over to meditationforkidsbook.com and you can go further into this conversation even more, which is all about pressing the reset button on Misleading AF meditation myths. I think there are some mainstream meditation myths out there that is really preventing us from trying meditation or that are making us believe that we are failures. And I think we need to clear this up because in order for us to create this movement where we're building meditation into our children's life, we know that mental health is so important in our children, building resilient kids. I've talked about why it's not important to raise happy kids, but to help them know how to handle unhappy situations in their life. So meditation is really a powerful solution in helping our children be the most confident, calm, and joyful beings that they can possibly be as they calmly and confidently handle these challenges life face at them. So in order for us to really be empowered enough to teach our children, we have to bust through these myths that might be preventing us from believing, oh, I can't meditate. How is my child going to learn? It is too daunting. It is too hard. It is so boring. There is no way that my child can learn. And so I'm here to tell you that is a big fat lie. That is not true. Kids can learn how to meditate, but the biggest kicker is, is that you can teach them. You do not need to be a meditation guru, an expert, or even have meditated before in your life in order to teach your kids to feel the experience and the benefits of it. And I'm here to really break this belief system. So just a little bit about my journey. You guys all know that I'm a meditation junkie, but you know, for me, yes, I am a mom with two young kids and I meditate pretty much every day. Okay. I'm not going to say every single day, but I'm pretty darn close to every single day. And I know what you're thinking. I'm going to punch this girl in the face. I don't want, I'm not sharing this to gloat. I share this to inspire you to see what is possible for you. I don't meditate for 30 minutes every single day. And most days it's between uh, three to five minutes or maybe a five to 10 minute meditation. 20 minutes is on a really good day. So I know exactly what you're probably thinking or you know feeling at this moment, but Dejal, I just can't meditate. I can't sit for that long. I just don't have time. I can't turn off my mind, which is like the most common thing, right? My thoughts won't shut off. And that is what we have been told, that in order to meditate, we have to shut off our mind. 
Now, I totally feel you, boo, but that is really not the case. That's the number one biggest myth that we've been told about meditation. You have to shut off your mind in order to meditate. Now, as someone who is the epitome of an like a really obsessive worry wart, I overthink a lot, I'm a recovering perfectionist, you know, I know how hard it is to tame that incessantly wild and over-opinionated mind. It's something that I consistently commit to the practice to because anytime I feel like it's checked, I get ungrounded and I have to recommit to the process. So I realized that this is a lifelong process. It's never going to be where I can just, all right, my, I'm in control of my thoughts. I can control it. It's cool. No, there's always new life circumstances and situations, new stressors based off of how much sleep did I get? What did I eat? My age, you know, the time of year that it is. There's so many different variables that play into it. So when I first started mindfulness meditation a decade ago, I used to believe that, that shutting off my mind and getting into that thoughtless state was the purpose of meditation. And I found that it was largely so impossible. The reality was that my mind was literally on full throttle all the freaking time. I had constantly, I have to do this, or I was thinking about this person or about the past. Like it was constantly this ping pong ball that was jumping from present day to past to future tripping. I was constantly all over the place. And I can't say that my mind is still not like that at times, but I'm very much aware of it when it's going into ping pong mode. And um, I can really quickly like, you know, shut off the energy from going into that spiral in my mind and move that energy down into my body to feel more grounded. But it's still, like I said, a natural part, part of life. And so meditation for me in the beginning kind of felt torturous like I would have moments and pockets of silence and like I would feel much more calm because I was always going 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 and I started meditating um, when I was 26 years old and I did feel like this reprieve of just like being like there to like close my eyes and be like wow I'm not doing anything this feels so nice to not be doing anything but it I couldn't really necessarily say that I was shutting off my mind those thoughts were still coming and so the harder I forced myself to try to quiet my mind, the noisier I felt that it became. And it, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm failing at this. But I was finding so much relief through yoga. And I loved that the fact that like, you know, instead of going out to the bar on a Friday night, I was going to a meditation class. I felt like I was taking care of myself. So there was something that was just drawing me back to come back and do more. And I think there was just something within me like I do like this even though I suck at it I felt like I sucked at it um I was like I'm going to come back to this and that was actually the wrong perspective now that I look back at it in retrospect to think that I sucked at it that is very left brain logical mind because we are so goal oriented that when we try to put effort into something we're supposed to see a result right away and it's also partially because of our instant gratification type of mentality that if I put this effort I need to be able to see the results now and so that's not how meditation works. It's kind of like investing money into a savings account. You're depositing your time, your energy, you're, you're being patient with it, and you're just letting it grow and grow and grow, and it just requires that consistency and that patience. And so I felt that when I tried the mindfulness meditation, it was really hard for me, and I found guided meditations. And now, like, apps all over the place, like, you know, there's – 
Insight Timer and Headspace and Calm, all these different uh, meditation apps that are available. And I think that having a mind anchor was great in the beginning for me, like with the guided meditations, because it allowed myself to focus something and it helped me channel my energy. That's actually was more um, available to me than the mindfulness meditation. And it really helped my busy mind um, stay focused. So the mind is really, really kind of a trickster. And, you know, as Sadhguru, the yogi, the mystic, and the visionary says that, you know, we are a machine and our greatest technology is our human body and our mind. And we are kind of running and going along in our existence, like having a car without a user manual. Like we are just blundering through life, just kind of trial and error, trying to figure it out as we go, but we have no real idea of how to control our mind or the the dynamics of our mind and how it works and the intricacies and how our body speaks to us and how that affects our mind and energy. So we are this beautiful technology which we have no idea how to use. A lot of people would ask him, Basadhguru, how do I turn off my mind? I try to meditate, but my mind won't shut off. And he said, well, what if I told you that I had this meditation to shut off your liver and I have one to shut off your gallbladder and shut off your spleen and shut off your lungs? Would you want me to teach you that meditation? And everybody, right? Like, think about it. We're like, no, we do not want to shut off the other processes in our body. They're happening for a reason. Let's not mess with it. And he would say, well, then why do you want meditation to shut off your mind? Your mind is this evolutionary, amazing technology that you have been given. Why do you want to shut it off? He says that we largely don't know how to use our mind. So that's why when it functions by itself, by blundering and it's like just going at its own pace, kind of doing its own thing, it creates a nuisance. And that's why we're like, okay, if we just shut off our mind, all the nuisance will go away. And that's not the truth. Our mind was designed to think. That is the function of our mind. And so when we're meditating, thoughts are going to come up because that is the nature of our mind. And the intensity and the frequency and the types of thoughts and all those things that happen that are largely beyond our control is a glimpse into how much energy is pocketed in our headspace. So if there's too much movement going on, and like in my Meditation for Kids book, I say if it's the windmill is like howling like a hurricane wind, is it loud in there? That just shows there's too much energy there. And in Ayurveda, we have to move the energy down. The seat of the vata energy is down in our hips, in our thighs. We've got to move the energy down through different yoga postures, through different breathing techniques, through different affirmations and different visualizations and bringing the awareness down where we want that energy to flow. So there's so much science and wisdom that we are not concerned with. So we have to first just bust this myth that meditation is meant to shut off our mind. It is not meant to shut off our thoughts. We just need to learn how to control those thoughts. And so you see the brain has a very limited 
attention span and our attention span only decreases right when you have kids I feel like that's the case but this means that you can only think about a certain number of things at any one given time so one of the challenges with meditation is that as you're clearing your mind you're creating open space and that open space naturally wants to be filled so sometimes when people are going coping with a stressful situation they turn to meditation to calm their minds and what they find is that their mind floods with even more thoughts what we're not trying to think about and then we think that we're failing and it doesn't work and this is a nuisance because we feel that it is a nuisance because we can't control it and currently that is the nature of our mind whether we realize it or not it feels more safe when there are thoughts in our mind instead of being empty because that's what we've been trained to do schooling is to have wisdom to use our logic brain to analyze and evolutionary wise our brain right was telling us when to be fearful of threats and to send signals that we need to protect ourselves. So the the evolutionary process as well as the function of how we've trained our brain through years of schooling is to use it as a tool to think and to be used and to be grow the muscle. And I think we largely, of course, wisdom and intelligence is important. Um, we can't blunder through life being like, you know, illiterate and not read and not be educated. I'm not saying that. However, we need to understand that our vessel, the way that we've trained our brain, is meant to have thoughts in it. And so in any given moment when you're ready, like, okay, this mind is getting too noisy, too loud. You're like, okay, I just want to stop all the thoughts. It's not going to stop just like that. I associate it with, think about this. If someone has never worked out a day in their life, and they said, I want to start working out. And you're like, all right, I'm going to throw you into a CrossFit class. They are going to largely fall flat on their face because it is way too hard. They have not built up the resiliency, the endurance in order to do that sort of practice, right? It's also mental capacity and the willpower to do that. And that's the same thing. When we tell people to do mindfulness meditation is all about sitting still quietly for 20 minutes, no thoughts, taking deep breaths, your mind should be clear. It's like CrossFit for meditation. It ain't gonna happen. It's gonna be really, really, really hard. And we're setting ourselves up for failure because that is what we notice as the quintessential type of meditation. Then there's the guided meditations, which I told you about, which really did help me in the beginning but at the at a point I realized this was a crutch and sometimes it kind of annoyed me because I'd be trying to get into a deeper state and then there was here somebody telling me now take a deep breath I'm like I'm not, I don't want to take a deep breath right now or they're guiding me to do like okay visualize this I'm like dude I'm totally cool with what I'm visualizing I'm starting to relax and getting into this state and I didn't like how it was like controlling my situation because I was trying to naturally and intuitively get into a space, but then the words were like interfering with it. So there was a period of time that I was like, okay, guided meditations aren't for me either. And I needed something else. And it's so miraculous how the universe kind of just shows up when you need it. And I found myself stumbling upon a Gabby Bernstein YouTube video of her doing something called ego eradicator. And literally that was my first experience of learning kundalini yoga and meditation and I was like what the f is that but I loved it it was more of an active type of meditation but it was a meditation and I found like I felt this 
vibrational shift within me. Like the energy was moving and I was like, wow, I feel amazing after this. And it wasn't quiet sitting meditation where you're sitting for 20 minutes. It was actually just a three minute ego eradicator med meditation that she taught. Um, and I was like, this is incredible. So I researched it and lo and behold, you know, it, it was synchronistic. Like I was looking for a yoga studio in South Jersey and I could not find anybody who did Kundalini yoga. This was back in 2014, really not a lot of people teaching it. Now it's become very popular. And then randomly one day I searched it and I found this place that was not too far away from me. And it was from a yoga studio from somebody's house. And the person was like, hey, how did you find our place? And we've only really told our friends about it. And I was like, oh, I, I Googled it. And they're like, we didn't put it on Google. And I was like, this is what I found it. And I found this website. And when I tried to research it again, it was gone. It was so crazy. I was like, uh, okay, so maybe they had it on a for a pocket of like, I don't know, they said that they had the website go up for like um, a half a day and they took it down. And in that half a day, that's when I got the calling to look it up and I reached out to them and I started doing um, Kundalini yoga and meditation. And it was very different than what you think of that flow, vinyasa, that calm. The meditations were some we were chanting and some there was like this one where you're beating on the floor and some you were moving your body like little angel wings. And so other ones we were sitting quietly, but we had our eye focus in a certain way or we're holding our hands in a certain posture or a mudra. And every meditation was different. And I loved the novelty of that. I loved that everything was different, but there was a mental anchor. Every meditation had some sort of mental anchor. So it helped me go deep, but it wasn't like the guided meditations where someone else was kind of like dictating what I should be doing, where I should be going. It was simply empowering. And within a short period of time, it was crazy. Like within a couple months, there was a Kundalini yoga training and I knew in every fiber of my being that I needed to do it. It was a year long training. And that is the 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 type of meditation and yoga that I'm trained in kundalini meditation and yoga and why I was so called to it is because it doesn't focus on killing your thoughts it doesn't expect beginner meditators to just focus on your breath and throw us out to the wolves to deal with the anxious and dramatic stories that we've been breeding in our subconscious mind for like god knows how many lifetimes kundalini meditation is based on the premise that it is impossible to silence your mind when you first start to meditate. It gives you an anchor to keep your mind focused so it doesn't start filling up with those unpleasant thoughts that our mind is just naturally called to do. It gives you a life jacket to keep you afloat when the noise starts coming into your mind instead of throwing you in the ocean and expecting you to figure it out and you you have this rafter, this anchor that you can bring your mind back to that's going to keep you feeling safe. Whether it's a mantra, whether it's a breathing technique, whether it's your eyes are open and you're focusing on something, whether you're moving your body and your arms in a rhythmic way, it's bringing you back to focus on something. And what I find is the energy moves. Each meditation has a different purpose and the way that you move, the way you chant, the way that you speak, the way that you breathe, all is tied in into this scientific wisdom into how this technology, this body and this mind functions. And so I really realized at that time, the meditation secret or the biggest myth is that our thoughts are not the enemy of meditation. And I know for so long we've been hearing that you need to clear your mind, you need to sit still. And I think that's largely why we don't believe that our kids can meditate because that's the vision that we've had. 
this whole passive meditation. And let me be very, very clear at this moment. Mindfulness meditation, something now almost 11 years into meditating, there was a time that I got called to do mindfulness meditation where I could sit silently in that quintessential um, taking deep breaths and just trying to focus on my third eye point and just letting everything kind of just drain out. But I had to get there. I had to work my muscles. And there's some days that it works and some days still that my mind is a little too more too frantic. And I recognize that like I'm not putting myself there because I'm not accessible to that at that moment and I will choose a more active type of meditation and I think it's really important to be aware of that and so when I'm teaching children how to meditate it's not just through like okay I'm teaching them the posture I'm teaching them the correct way to breathe I'm teaching them in the book you know, to tune into their feelings and listen to their body sensations, but I'm building skill by skill in a playful, engaging, exciting way. And so the reason why I made it in a book like that is because then you can learn as well too. One of the biggest things that I've learned, even whether you're your child or you're an adult, is that you have to make the tools tangible and give our mind something anchored to focus on in order to build that practice of meditation or that meditative focus. That's what I want you to think of with meditation, not the act of sitting there, but building a meditative focus because you could be meditative and have your eyes open and working. You know, they say walking meditation. You're not sitting still during walking meditation you are walking and being mindful and being aware I think it's the the meditative awareness and the whole idea is that you want to bring that meditation off the yoga mat and so that's what we're building we're building that stillness and that relaxation and with children really if we do it the right way you know the the Dalai Lama said that if eight-year-olds all knew how to meditate we would eliminate violence in one generation the idea is that if we do the right foundational skills that two and three that we're building in the songs and the words and the take deep breath we're building in those practices and from four to eight we're using the tools in the meditation for kids book to build that awareness of these different activities helping them understand the different types of stresses that they're experiencing experiencing whether it's their head button, their heart button, or their belly button, you know, which stress, is it physical, emotional, mental, what feelings, anxiety, anger, sadness, you know, sadness, or being sleepy, all these languages of things that we can build so they can be connected to themselves. By eight, they can start building that practice of sitting and taking a few deep breaths, maybe sitting even close to five to eight minutes, and you're building that practice. And if it doesn't happen when they're eight, It'll happen when they're 10, when they're 12, when they're 15. It doesn't matter. They have their lifetime to practice and hone these skills. But as long as we do our job to set the foundation, at least they have this awareness that they can come back to these tools anytime they need it. When unhappy, challenging, difficult moments will arise because that's a natural part of every one of our existences. So let's get this super, super, super clear. Mind wandering is totally the norm for meditators. And if you're trying to stop your thoughts and is creating stress and panic, I want you to give yourself permission. I am giving you permission to let that go. The mind generates thousands of thoughts per second. And when you sit quietly and focus inward and you become aware of what's going on in the background of your mind, distractions are going to come up. All right. Do not evaluate or react to the extraneous thoughts. Let them be processed by whatever 
we're focusing our mind on the anchor and let it go. So let's talk a little bit about what active meditation is. And this is why I focus on teaching children this. So if you're expecting the meditation for kids book to be 40 exercises and just like helping your children like, be like, um, I'm going to like ohm and like they're going to be sitting still. That's not necessarily the case. We do have some focuses on building those passive meditation where they're sitting in the posture when they're saying a mantra, when they're, you know, taking deep breaths. But a lot of the meditations are active meditations. So there's passive, like the mindfulness where you're the quintessential meditation. And then there's the active meditation. And you'll find that when you're building these practices, not only in your child's life, but if you're building them with them, when you practice with them and you build a family meditation practice, you will find that it's the easiest way for you to learn how to meditate if you're a beginner. And it only takes just one to three minutes. With your children, if it they can only do one to two breaths, that's okay. You're building muscle memory for them to know how to sit in the posture, how to focus their mind, how to focus their energy, how to focus on different breaths, breathing techniques and over a period with the consistency what I like to say as you continue to keep brushing your brain clearing those yucky thoughts out and just keeping the the bowl clean you're washing it out every single day so none of that muck can kind of just continue to grow you will suddenly notice that things will start feeling calmer you'll feel it less stress within a week or two you'll start noticing that you're you're a you're reacting to things a little bit differently and you're able to be a little bit more mindful and present. And so it takes time. And like I said, a lot of the tools and the meditations that I've used in the book are rooted in Kundalini meditation because of the fact that there, there's so many active meditations that use different hand postures and breathing techniques and movement to move energy in certain ways and to help you rest your mind. And sometimes it's to boost your energy and sometimes it's to reset your mood. So it has different focuses and different intentions and outcomes for each different types of exercises. And each exercise has a take this time in when prompt and why this works prompt. And the reason for that is take this time in when will help you know what feelings, what time, that you should be practicing this tool with your children and for you. And then the second, why this works, will give you some background into understanding the science and the Ayurvedic and yogic wisdom of why this works and how it helps to create a certain experience within you. So when your children get older, as they can read and they're like learning to build these practices, they will be able to understand for themselves why this works, why they should practice this, and how it will help them feel better. So I really hope this big, massive myth that you must clear your mind when you're meditating has completely been wiped out. Do not expect this for yourself. Do not expect this with your children. The second biggest myth that meditation is that quintessential sitting quietly with your mind clear with 20 minutes. Do not expect that for yourself or for your kids when they're beginners. Just like you who've never probably been taught this at a young age, you're building a foundation in your life and you're building a foundation in your kid's life. You would not expect your children to just, when they're learning the ABCs, to be like, all right, I need you to write a paragraph about, uh, or an essay. 
it takes time, right? They learn the ABCs through songs. Then they learn from sight recognition, one letter. They practice, you know, writing and like associating different words with that letter. Then they learn how to write their name and maybe they sight word different words when they're reading storybooks. And then they move on to chapter books and then they learn how to write and they learn grammar. It takes 12 years to master the English language, whether it's speaking, writing, um, you know, so we can't expect our kids. I think we have this really high level of expectation because that's what we've been taught that meditation is only passive. There is a passive element to it, but now you know there is an active element to it. So I really, really hope this clears up some perspectives that might have been causing you some holdback of wanting to actually pursue the meditation for kids um, aspect. And I really want you to feel empowered to know the right steps. So like you know, I created the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course in order for anyone who's new at teaching children, even if you meditate for yourself, there are specific ways to build systematically this practice in your children's life. And I've been working and doing this and testing in, you know, testing it for the last 10 years, not just on my kids, but in the classroom settings. And I have a systematic way of how to build this practice, just like we know how to teach the ABCs in our kids' in our kids' life. This will teach you how to build meditation foundation into your children's life so they know how to manage big emotions, help ease stress and anxiety and be stress resilient and learn how to know the art of concentration and focus. So I really hope that you take the next steps and as you practice with your kids, really join the movement of building meditation into your children's life. Use the hashtags, kids can meditate. Tag me in your videos and your pictures. Share it so that other moms can really believe, they truly feel it, that our kids are capable of learning this. I am capable of teaching this and it is my utter responsibility if I'm here to keep my children safe and give them the best start in their life, to be confident, to be happy, to be joyful, to I should take it back the happy. It's not your responsibility to keep them happy. Uh, confident, to be compassionate, and to be to really be calm and to be really mindful human beings. This is the path. And I can teach you. And the book is there and the course is there. Spread it. Share it. Let this movement grow because it's not just about my child and your child. It's about this generation of children because they are the ones who are going to interact with each other. They are the ones who are going to be colleagues with each other. They are the ones who are going to work together. They are the ones who are going to be in relationships with each other. Don't we want them to be emotionally balanced, to be resilient, to be honest, to be compassionate and empathetic? Yes, we want that for all our kids. So let's truly put our heart and soul into this. And I'm here every single step of the way. You know this is what lights me up. It is what I was born to do. And I am here for you every single step of the way. And you know that I'll be sharing more wisdom, more inspiration, whether it's through the podcast, from our videos on Instagram to Ayan sharing stuff. We are here for the long run, guys. And for any of you who want to experience this power of meditation live, join me for my book launch events. I have a powerful talk and a meditation lined up. It is a 15 minute. I'm going to like knock your socks off, guys. You're going to go out of that event feeling so high, vibing so good. Um, I'm going to 
really inspire you to uh, take the next step. It's going to be an amazing way for our community of mindful mamas to meet each other and really for me to have this beautiful and humbling opportunity to meet you guys in person. I cannot wait to hug you. I cannot wait to talk to you and be in your presence. It is going to be my greatest joy. I am so looking forward to these book launch events. It is May 9th if you're on the East Coast. The tickets are live. Go into my Instagram page for the Eventbrite. Um, I'm going to link the Eventbrite on the show notes depending on when you're listening to this. Um, if it's live um, and you're listening close to before the book launch event, um, tickets are limited guys and I did it on a purpose because I wanted it to be a very intimate um, event. Um, only 70 tickets available uh, total for the New York City event and then only 60 tickets available for the California event which is on May 16th in Orange County. So keep your hubbies and your partners at home keep the kids at home this is a mom event so bring your mama besties who really want to be inspired and really love and uh, to feel empowered and really want a really great mom networking event to really talk about the things that are important and to feel uplifted this is your event I cannot wait for it thank you so much for tuning in this was one of my favorite episodes this stuff lights me up I think you could probably tell by the inflection of my voice but I am so thrilled to continue to keep this party going it is so exciting I am so happy so 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 happy that um, we're in this together all right guys till next week bye if you love this episode I'd be so grateful if you subscribe on iTunes share it with your mama besties and leave a review on Apple Podcasts all you got to do to share is screenshot it, share it on your Instagram story, use the hashtag Time and Talks Podcast, and tag me at Thajal V Patel. Of course, you can just text your mama besties the pod too, which is also totally cool. And if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, as my special thank you, I'd like to give to you my seven day stress detox course absolutely free. This is a $79 value course I'm giving to you complimentary as my thank you for leaving a review. If you're a mom who wants tools to use in the heat of the moment that helps you decrease stress, manage your triggers, stop your own meltdowns, or you just want to infuse a simple moment of peace throughout your busy day to get centered, well, you want to get your hands on these tools. These tools are rooted in ancient Ayurvedic and yogic wisdom and these kundalini meditations that I teach only take three minutes or less to feel better. These are my daily go-to tools that keep my stress at bay and help me feel calm and centered and I'd love to make them available to you. All you got to do is email me a screenshot of your review over to Thajal at thajalvpatel.com. That is T-E-J-A-L at T-E-J-A-L-V-P-A-T-E-L.com. I'll send you the course details right away so you can get started. 